0: Ladies and gentlemen, friends, mentors, colleagues, and eaters, welcome to the premier broadcast of UCI Conversations, a weekly public affairs show dedicated to the exploration of everything blue and gold, with interviews of UCI leaders, innovators, and last but not least, zot, 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 everyday anteaters. I can't wait. I'm your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, a.k.a. Timothy Toastmaster, excited and committed to bringing you 30 minutes of informative, inquisitive, and at times just downright fun programming. Our guest today is Lydia Natulo, who took office today as student body president, as well as she also has an amazing list of humanitarian project projects. Before... I introduce her onto the show. I'm gonna bring you two station IDs and disclaimers and we'll be right back.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It makes me wanna KCI to Cafe, The to
1: show, show especially for those FM who love herbal.
2: to chill and relax The views
1: and opinions expressed on this program the do not necessarily this show represent this Its management or the but UC Board of Regents For more in information on relax. this or other KCI programs It's all about KCI. music For questions or
3: suggestions, you can email me, girouslaunch at gmail.com. This show is specially created to support the artist. So if you like a track, please make sure.
0: Here we are, back on the air, and I'd like to introduce now Lydia Natulo how are you today Lydia
4: I'm wonderful sir how are you
0: I'm fantastic it's great to have you today same here fantastic well why don't we just jump right into it Lydia I understand that you were originally born in Africa can you tell us a little bit like when and where you were born
4: yes so I'll say I was born in Uganda which is um, on the eastern part of Africa on the side of the Indian Ocean Uh, so born in a family of 28 children and being the last born (laughs) my mother was the fifth wife uh, but that is such um, a story of so many African families um, that still prevails to some uh, but needless to say born in the time of war in a time of a dictatorship. For many who know Idi Amini, Mm -hmm. um, that is the time I was born and uh, this is the time also the epidemic of HIV AIDS was eradicating every person in a family. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anyone in Uganda or in the most part of Africa that has never experienced the issue of HIV AIDS, losing a family member. And um, as a little kid, I usually used to ask my parents why my siblings were dying, why our neighbors were dying. And so they say that because there's no cure for such a disease and of course having malaria every day that is a given for so many for almost all families um but even when i was a little girl that just drew me to okay so i know going to a doctor is when you find help so when i grow up i want to be a doctor and find a cure of aids and help my people so ever since a little girl that has been on my heart and that little girl here is now at uci to pursue that
0: fantastic thank you how did your journey from uganda how did you leave the country
4: uh i think my desire i don't think i know my desire to pursue higher education uh and also growing up in abject poverty uh propelled me um and also having family my father and my mother telling me the only way to get out of poverty would be for me to have an education and I remember vividly that um by the time I was in fourth grade because my father had so many kids um he he lost his job to to his old age and that says that I used to so often be kicked out of school because there was no money in the house my mother never had an opportunity to go to school not because she didn't want to but her story starts from Rwanda which is also in the eastern part of Africa where the genocide of Rwanda is part of her journey and uh but I always say that my father um, told me the only way to go out of poverty is to, to go to school and have an education. And I always say that my mother gave me this other book, which is the Bible, and she said the only way to go through these struggles in life, you have to read the Bible every day and pray. So it's my faith and um, my desire to complete my education that has propelled me to come here. And um, I say it was a miracle because um, it's not easy to get a visa from Africa to come to this great country that a lot of people strive every day to go get that and they're denied. But um, I went with my brother that day, woke up early in the morning in the wee hours, four o'clock in the morning. Here we are lining up. And uh, by the grace of God, uh, we were given a visa to come. And there I knew that. Um, my, my opportunity to have an education um, is here at hand. And so I've been working so hard, uh, and I know coming to America, I faced another face of uh, poverty, which is being an immigrant, and uh, being a first generation, and uh, not having a family, I mean your parents to take care of you. But rather, I was actually taking care of my mom and my other siblings back home. home. So that other responsibility, and knowing that you're given a second chance to life, whereby witnessing so many deaths and seeing so many wars that here I am with an opportunity to live in a great country, to have all these opportunities, um, that uh, they've propelled me to work hard beyond struggles to be where I am today.
0: When you came to the United States, wh- did you come right to Irvine or where did you come first?
4: Uh, my journey started out in Boston mm-hmm. and uh, I had uh, a sister in Boston. and uh, so. I think that's the journey of every immigrant. If you have a family member, mm-hmm. you go join that family member. So I started out in Boston and of course, with the, the little girl who wanted to, to, to continue her education, I just jumped into a university, signed up for classes without knowing that there is all these blocks of not having financial aid or um, paying high tuition fee for being an international student, which is almost 300 times more than a regular student. Wow. Um, I remember I was working on my science classes whereby every class had about five units and Every unit was about three hundred and forty dollars and that is times five. Mm-hmm. So that's t- just for one class um, So needless to say I say two years into this journey I couldn't afford to pay my tuition and I had to step out um, And they continued to work. I was still working mm-hmm. um, as a nursing assistant mm-hmm. taking care of patients in homes in hospitals Um, but because I still had that opportunity to take care of my family back home, I kept on to that, uh, and finding ways and resolve, um, to change my status, which, um, enabled me to, in 2009, I became a resident of California and hence moving to California, um, and hence being here.
0: Great, great. And did you come to Irvine right away or where where did you come in California?
4: So my journey started, um... I moved to live um, to live with a friend um, in in Los Angeles, and then um, along the journey, I found myself <laughs> uh, in my car alone. <laughs> mm. So the issue of um, the issue of homelessness took over my story, and um, uh, <laughs> so um, and that's when I kept on reading the Bible, <laughs> mm. so that to go through these struggles, but. Um, I was at LA City College by then. Which one? Los Angeles City College. Uh Uh Um, So I ended up getting an apartment about um, two weeks later into the journey. Uh, But, you know, needless to say, I was sleeping in my car most of the time, um, finding this apartment. But then along the journey, two years into Los Angeles City College, I felt like I needed to to leave the the area. Um, So I went on the Internet and Googled for nursing school. And uh, for some reason, um, Saddleback College popped mm. up in mm-hmm. a list of many. Um, I drove from L.A., came and did my matriculation at Saddleback. Even before I got home, I was accepted into the college. Mm. Um, and so I moved to Saddleback College, where two years ago, I was able to transfer um, as a valedictorian. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and you, you see, I chose me. So wow. that's why I'm grateful.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Now, did you ever dream that you might be the student body president how did, how did that come about
4: <laughs> no sir <laughs> to answer <laughs> that but um growing up in 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 africa um of course when you get older that's when you actually i wanted to know more of my identity and that is where did i come from uh, what heritage did i come from um so i my parents used to share stories of their journey and actually my grandfather um, his family traveled with the missionaries to spread the gospel when the missionaries came to Africa. Mm. Um, my father was a lawyer, but instead of building his own farm, he literally started helping those who could not afford uh, the high prices of lawyers. So the, the sense of servanthood has been in my family. Um, and uh, coming here in America, where well, I was in Boston, um I heard a story of children who are being abducted in my own country in Uganda, mm-hmm. uh, the child soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, by Joseph Kony. And to me, of course I didn't grow up with wa- with running water in the house. I didn't grow up with electricity. That means we didn't have a television. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never had like morning papers thrown at our, b- our, in our, in our front yard. Mm-hmm. So the issue of the rebel leader was more like a far-fetched story you hear once in a while, mm-hmm. but because it's not at your front line every day, I didn't know the atrocities that these children were facing mm-hmm. until I was exposed to them through the Invisible Children story, the documentary. And my heart just broke open. And that started my journey in 2005, 2006. Um, I called the office, which was in San Diego, and I'm in Boston. I was like, what can I do? This is not right. Mm-hmm. Children in my own country are being abducted, and young girls are being raped and given guns to kill first their family members and then thrown into the community. Um, so just that broke my heart. I'm like, the least I can do, I don't have money to give you all the finances to help these children. They were actually on a scholarship fund and Education Matters to me. I was like, I have time. I can give you my time. What can I do? Mm-hmm. So I started going to all high schools and colleges and lobbying at Capitol Hill and going into our senators. And I, by then the late Ted Kennedy, I used to go to his office by then. Uh, John Kerry was a senator. I used to go to his office in Boston. And so that started this desire in me to make a difference. Mm. Um, and I realized that using my voice and using my time was the least I could do then. Um, so then coming here in um, at Saruba College, um, actually the first the first leadership position I took in, I saw the international office, Office for International Students, mm-hmm. and something in me said, you know, I, I knew I was once an international student and I knew the struggles of international students. But because now I'm a resident, mm-hmm. I walked into the office, I'm like, what can I do? I'm here, I can help, I can talk to some of the students, I can share my journey, mm-hmm. I can show them the doors to go to, because I remember being one. Um, and through that, I joined actually the Honors Program, I became the President of the Honors Council at Saddleback. Um, I joined the student government at Saddleback. And, uh, and that,
0: that's the honors program. Uh, yes. Referring to
4: um, but also I joined the, in the entire student body, I was on the academic Senate representing the students and then coming to UCI, I knew that I needed to be part of a way to serve given that <laughs> I applied to 11 universities and I always say, UCI see, I chose me. That's mm-hmm. why I, when you asked like, Lydia, what can we talk about today? Mm-hmm. I was like, I just want to talk about what UCI means to me mm-hmm. because, UCI chose me um, when other universities denied me. (laughs) So I knew that I needed to give back to this great university that has supported me in so many ways. Um, And the first year, last year, I just jumped in and ran for the Senate. So for the entire last year, I've been uh, representing the student body as a senator. And uh, when it came to closing out the year, and the only office I was looking at was the office of the president. And so I applied, and I ran the campaign, and here we are.
0: (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you, sir. What's your agenda as president?
4: Do you have
0: one, or is it still developing?
4: Yes, I I do have one. Um, So we know that, um, so these are some of, and I want to be so respectful for this university that is doing so much for so many students, Um, but given Knowing my story and the struggles a student can go through, Mm -hmm. um, we know that almost 42% of our students face food insecurity. Um, That means. What what kind of insecurity? Food insecurity. Food? Yes. That means some students cannot have good three meals a day here um, at uci here at uci wow, i didn't realize that. and uh, but but there's um there's a student initiative that was started last year and they ended up running a referendum that we got some fees that now we have um we are opening up a food pantry a bigger food pantry we have one already in the source center uh but because of the students who for, who worked so hard last year um, we were able to create this initiative that we are building a bigger food, uh, food pantry, but also the Office of the President gave a one-time grant um, to, to support the, the food pantry. Uh, but that said, we are still working harder to make sure that uh, the students are sustained so that is one of uh, that was on my agenda running as a president but um the office of the internal vice president is going to take over that part but we're all going to work together to make sure that to bring these conversations into the boardrooms of our administrations and partner with our administrators to help our students um, we also have um we also have our career center and our counseling center um the staff is limited to the population of the students, and uh, we know that uh, the administration is working to build uh, the wellness center, whereby this building will be a center for all the resources the students need um, in order to succeed. Um, so one of the one of the initiatives that we are work we're going to work on is to make sure that um, the referendum passes to so that we can be able to so the students can vote on it and so that we can be able to build um, the wellness center, the wellness building.
0: Is that the new building that's being? Not that one, so it's another one that will be going on.
4: And um, the office of the vice chancellor is working hard on that. Uh, Which vice chancellor is that? Dr. Palm. Okay. Uh, So we are working hard to see that uh, the referendum can get into the student's hands so they can vote on it. Um, But that is more in his office, uh, but also with our partnership. So, and the other thing is, um, there is a population of students that also are are struggling with house affordability. So we are, of course, my story being, you know, suffering, the story of being homeless. Mm -hmm. Um, I can only imagine that, how many students are struggling through that. Uh, But now we want to know, I started a housing commission under my office. We want to, this first quarter, we'll take a campus-wide survey and find out exactly what students are struggling in this sector, and what kind of students um, are these students? Maybe who are coming from a different continent, and they're here just by myself, just like me. I don't have family here locally, mm-hmm. um, or these are students coming from low-income families. And uh, of course, Irvine—it's one of the richest community in the entire country. Um, housing is expensive, mm-hmm. so we just want to find out all these details, uh, but also partner with administration and uh, the city council, um, and also um, organizations around our community, because we live in one of the most affluent communities, and we know that there's so many people who want to help. But until you bring the need to them, they won't be able to support mm-hmm. the all help with the need you have. Um, so those are some of the vital things I want to work on. Um, I also have a mental health commission under my office. Um, so we all know the struggles students can have on campus. Um, so we want to, first of all, erase the stigma. Um, and maybe we would have an opportunity to come on radio when we go through these, uh, quarterly events. Um, and maybe encourage the students, those who hear the radio, uh, that we have this support for them, we have these workshops for them. Um, so they may come and, uh, because we want to hear their stories first. We want to know what their need is. I might have an idea of what the need is, especially being an immigrant in this country, Mm -hmm. but it's just my story. It's not the other story of another student. So we just want to have a collective voice of all students, what they're struggling with from all walks of life, faith, uh, gender, um, all these inequalities that we have, racial inequalities, Um, how can we be a campus that is socially just for all. Mm-hmm. So that is some of my focus for this if, year.
0: If a student has an issue that they want to reach out to discuss with you or bring, up to, bring to your attention, how would they get a hold of you? Is there a way?
4: Definitely, uh, on our website, there's actually um, under the Office of the President, we have ASUCI website, and uh, we have different branches on the website. And uh, under the office of the president branch, there is my, um, there's actually a calendar that is out. Um, and also my email will be out. Okay. Um, so students, and I welcome students to reach out to me. The office is open to come to the office. Um, and that's the associated,
0: associated Students in the Student Center? Yes. Great. And then the ASU uci uh we- is there a website like there is w- what is that website address
4: so it's a s u c i dot um edu okay dot uci edu
0: okay dot okay so as uci dot uci dot edu yes great great well great why don't we pivot a little bit to where did i recently saw in the school newspaper the dalai lama scholarship mm-hmm. can you <laughs> talk about that <laughs>
4: Yes, and uh, I am so humbled and honored that um among hundreds of applicants, I was chosen with my other um other scholar. But um this journey started about three years ago when I read an article of a hospital that uh, was operating without water in my country, just like i r- I heard the story of the children being abducted, and my heart was driven to do something. When I also read this article that there is a hospital in Uganda that was operating for three years almost without water, water access, that just actually made me angry. And to me, anger drives me to do something positive about this. Um, So I just got my money in my account. I didn't even have much. I went back home with a couple of friends to uh, know exactly what was happening in this community. Uh, Needless to say, it's almost 10 hours away from where I was born. Um, I get to this hospital. There was one doctor serving 600 patients. Wow. Um, Three to four children sleep on one bed with different diseases. That means they don't have enough equipment, like Mm -hmm. beds. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a government hospital that the government supplies medicine to run for a month. It runs out in almost two weeks. So that means patients still come to the hospital, but they tell them there's no medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, my friend Danny right here, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put him on the spotlight. Um, he has been raising funds since ever since we met at Sadoba college and he's been able to give, um, money to buy a new refrigerator s- because there was no refrigerator in the hospital. Um, the vaccines were, die- you know, they they, they, they were expiring because they couldn't elect when electricity goes off and the refrigerator was too old, it burst out one day. So Danny has raised enough money to buy a new refrigerator for the hospital that serves 600 patients and almost a quarter million people. Um, this hospital serves seven districts. So the issue with the, the project the project I gave in for the Dalai Lama uh, scholarship, in the hospital I noticed there, was so m- there were so many women um, in the hospital with their children. So the doctor one day told me that, Lydia, you need to hear a story of this one mother. So Mama Sarah is her name. She had by then four children, and she was pregnant, nine months pregnant. Her story goes, three men walked away from her so she's a single mother taking care of these five children now mm-hmm. she has five children she gave birth to a beautiful baby she has hiv aids and was a sickle cell carrier so men walked away from her because one of the child was a sickle cell sickler mm-hmm. and they thought she ha- she had a demonic issue why is her children sick all the time uh so that is also the lack of knowledge that a lot of people do not have back home mm-hmm. because it takes two parents to give birth to one s- sickle cell six baby mm-hmm. Um, so, and one of her daughter, 10 year old, had to drop out of school in order to take care of her siblings. So the 10 year old became the the head of the household because the mother is sick and most of the children are sick. The other three children are always sick. So when I looked at that story, I was like, I do not want to just take one child out of this family, but rather like a scholarship fund for only one child. I was like, but rather I would want to empower the mother. And what does that look like? So I started thinking about a business model. And uh, so my proposal was to create a business where women are going to be making bags, jewelry, um, made out of African product. So we are also ethical in that sense. Um, Organic products from home, from Uganda, made in Uganda, made in Uganda. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we'll be bringing those products here, put them on market here, so that we can create um, financial support for the mother so that she can... Successfully and sustainably help her children.
0: Now, is that organized? Is that your organization that you're heading up?
4: Yes, it's through Love a Community, the hmm. organization I started about two years ago.
0: Okay, great. And is that what's that website?
4: www dot l o v e a Excellent,
0: excellent. Lydia, just we're starting to run out of time a little bit, but you know, in your times of of questioning, you know, whether you're going to make it, Hmm. what in your times of doubt, what do you have a you something that makes you stronger? Is there is there a message that you that 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 helps you breathe and stand up? and go forward I have a sense that there is could you share it
4: thank you for asking that um and I give that I give gratitude to my mother who um I always say are my mother's answered prayers um I'm so grateful that this woman who never had an opportunity to go to school showed me this book (laughs) the bible and uh, told me that through these lines, through these scriptures, that's where you can find a safe heaven. Um, that through the journey I've gone through, I always go back to, to the Bible, the scriptures that keep me going. Um, <laughs> and I'm so, I'm, I'm so respectful of everyone's faith. But uh, when I read the Bible, it tells me that trials and tribulations will always remain. But his love will sustain us. God's love can sustain us. That in moments when um, I don't know what to do or it's so heavy, or I just got a phone call that one of my brothers is sick or about to die or someone has died, or I have this heavy schedule going on with me, um, that that's where I go. I just lie on my knees, go on my knees and, uh, and pray to God. and he uh, and always said "He's a father of the fatherless, that if you can watch over the lilies and the birds, how about? How much more can he do for his children? And
0: you, uh, be, what was it f- you said something about the fatherless, father, father of the father? Could you say it one more time?
4: Like we, the Bible tells me that God is the father of the fatherless. And uh, mm-hmm. that has been the journey that kept me. Uh, because when I was 14 years old, my father died. Mm-hmm. and uh, so f- growing up an, as an orphan but I had my mother I can't say I was an orphan mm-hmm. um, and, and there's another story about my journey too that I haven't got I hadn't got, haven't got to to, uh, to agree on that um, to openly share but for so many years traveled this journey as an orphan uh, fatherless child um, that yeah the Bible is where I run to mm-hmm. every day and that's where I run to every day
0: Lydia Thank you very much for coming today and visiting with us. Uh, It's been my pleasure to have you. I wish you all the very best. I hope you'll come back sometime.
4: Thank you, sir. I will.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this has been UCI Conversation with Lydia Natulo, current student, student body president, and leader of community, uh, love a community. I would like to acknowledge many UCI, KUCI mentors who have been instrumental in helping me get this show off the ground, including social media guru Ryan Foland, public affairs extraordinaire Claudia Shamba, and DJ training professor Chris Torrey. Okay, that's a wrap. We made it. The premier segment of KUCI Conversations is in the books. I hope you liked it. This is your host, Kevin Bossenmeyer, signing off. And I hope you will tune in next Monday from 5.30 to 6 p.m. for another exploration of of everything blue and gold at KUCI Conversations. And now stay tuned for KUCI for The Dread Zone with Jarrett Lovell. We'll see you next week.
1: Haley, I'm Hope, I'm Hannah, we're, we're from Georgia, from and we like KCI in Irvine, in Irvine. In Irvine.
3: <laughs> the following is a public service reminder that 21 means 21. Hey man, just the beer. Gonna need to see an ID. Oh,
0: uh, I have a mustache. Yes, you have a mustache. Now, do you have an ID? Aw, oh, come on, buddy, obviously I'm over 21. Look at Twirl's.
1: <sighs> so you gonna let me buy this beer or what?
3: No ID, no beer. Mustaches say a lot, but they don't say you're 21. Hi, I'm Chuck Canterbury, president of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information on local Respect 21 programs offered by Miller Coors, visit FOP.net. Lefty Lucy, righty tighty.
0: Okay, here's the thing about yellow snow. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing? Learn how to drive, you moron. Remember, you're always teaching. Teach carefully, react with rage, and kids will learn it's okay to do the same. Keep your cool, and kids will do likewise. For advice, visit actagainstviolence.org. Brought to you by MetLife Foundation, National Association for the Education of Young Children, and the Ad Council.
5: Welcome. It's uh, The Dread Zone. This isn't Jarrett. This is Richard Estrada. And I'll be uh, subbing for Jarrett until he gets back soon. He's on a mission. And in the meantime, I'm gonna get some stuff ready. But here's something that I did feature last week from the group Tanzania Albinism Collective from their CD White African Power. I'm gonna go ahead and play uh, one of the tracks here. Let me see what I saw last time. Track 11. So stick around here. It's the Dread Zone here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll talk soon. <laughs>
1: Utanam, the Kwisham, the Castellate, castellate, castellate,
2: castellate, castellate, castellate. Pletta voosia lana, my child voosia mukasi, my child lana, my child voosia mukasi, my child I'm not
3: we كنا going to play Seagate now. We're going كنا. يوقع الروح وين بهمنا وين نروح بينا شوقي عل وين بهمنا وين نروح واحدنا مظلوم مجروح على حجه دمعدنا تنا من مجروح على حج دمعتنا. In the Let's التجban يا ربي تدري بالحال Yeah, احنا yeah. i yeah. مجروحين من الدنيا والوجع وحنا كثيره وكل جاره حبينا ينادي مشتاق
5: Welcome back once again, The Dread Zone, Monday, June 19th, here on the campus of University of Irvine. In the background, it's group El Bujo, something you found on SoundCloud, new to me, about five years old, but it's new to me. Before that, we had a little bit of... Is it Soljaman, Omar Soliman. And the track it featured was Chobi. And we had a little bit of, as I mentioned, Tanzania Albinism Collective from their release, White African Power. A lot of the songs are, you know, a few minutes, a couple minutes, if the longest, to like seconds, 50 seconds or so. I played, uh, started off with Peace Has Vanished, continued with Forward motion and disability is not a curse. Let this play out for a little bit, and then uh, we've got some announcements I gotta read off, as well as uh, in the show later on, talk about different events coming around the area. And uh, these hot summer nights tend to get a little quenched, a little thirsty. So I have a good friend, Diana, my girlfriend, reading a, a recipe later on for a mojito. A Cuban mojito. A Cuban mojito. Hi. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get some uh, Cuban music in a little bit. And that's why uh, we'll get into some of that as well. So stick around here at the Dread Zone here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Want to give us a call? The number here. 949 824 584. That's 949 nine, UCI KCI. Stick around.